All right, bonus episode time. This is the recording of what we did on the YouTube Live following the last game. You're going to be hearing this on the pod feed from every once in a while where we're just chopping it up with fans in YouTube Live, questions getting thrown out there, all kinds of different topics, Nets-related coming up. Stick around. We're going to be answering all kinds of different questions coming up here right after the theme music. You are locked on Nets. Your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the post podcast podcast where, you know, as Doug told you, you put at locked on nets. You say you got a question. You don't mention uh, Harry. I almost said Harry Styles. Don't mention Harry Styles either, by the way. Don't bring up Harry Giles and don't bring up Harry Styles for different reasons. But we don't want to hear about either one of them. And I'll even take a moment. Um, I, I don't know what happened, Doug. I want people to know about locked on and the national sports coverage in 24 seven. But I think a bee may have stung me inside of my mouth for about 15 seconds. Anyway. How's everybody doing? Thanks for being on the live, even following a loss. I'm going to star some questions here because there's some good ones from some new folks, too, which is great. Um, And we got some old, not old, but we got some frequent flyers and Mm -hmm. we've got some other ones. I'll bring a couple of these up. You can you can star a couple more. Um, I like this question because a lot of times uh, from Mira Slayer, um, a lot of times you see in chats like, he didn't make any adjustments. Now, no one ever provides that adjustment. They just say, you didn't make any adjustments. It's the laziest thing. I get why people do it, but yeah. it's like, and this is why you'll never hear us say it. If we did, if we couldn't think of anything at the top of, you know, if we couldn't think of anything in our own analysis, we're hard pressed to call Vaughn on it. And I always just don't like when people say he didn't make adjustments. And by the way, adjust, a timeout's not an adjustment. Um, so th- th- those don't count. Um, the, was I forgetting anyway, Sarah Marshall? Will, well, now you're just doing nothing. You got to do more than that. I will say one thing I would have done differently in this game is when you see where Jimmy Butler, if you when you see what Butler is doing, yeah, and you see that the one-on-one matchups simply aren't working, that he is dead set on doing this, which he was. Like you could already tell the he had like the usage was through the roof in ways that I hadn't seen if you've been watching any tape on him. Um, and he was just playing differently than he's played this this season, not in the past then at that point, you just have to bring another help defender and just live with the threes. And I know that's why they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it because it means Lonnie Walker and Kevin Love and Caleb Martin are just, and Jaime Jaquez are just going to get open looks. And I, and this is the trouble with doing this, right? Or it's going to be like, bam, is going to roll free to the rim or whatever. At some point, you probably just need to say, we need to bring an extra defender onto Jimmy. Royce is not cutting it. Like and, and DFS by himself is not cutting it, and they're just and they're it's either a foul or it's an easy bucket. And I think that you probably just need to live with it. And now that probably also means you lose by twenty five, right? Because they're gonna, they're going to have like a bunch of threes. But it's just it's rough one to just watch him kill you kind of over and over again. Yeah, I agree. I agree on that. I agree on that one as well because at some point you know that you're you're getting beat by this specific method. So do something different. And then when if wide open threes go down, that's going to feel bad in a different way. But that, sure. that sometimes that's a part of it, right? You got to take your lump somewhere. Let's just uh, punch me in six different ways. Don't keep hitting me in the same spot over and over again, right? The other thing that I would say too is I'll, I'll tie this into we talked about in the episode. Uh, Royce O'Neal struggling. The twenty minutes were bad. The assignment was difficult. 
I, the trend in Watford 10 minutes, you know, I, I can be comfortable giving him more because you know, you don't have a ton of size. You know, you don't have Ben Simmons. Now, Trendon Watford does not have a history of being a lockdown defender, but I'll really, I'll say it from both sides of it, even offensively and the ball handling. Like I, I just would have taken that trade off at some point when you're seeing how hard it is for Royce to take on that matchup. Hey, if I can go Trendon Watford for 15 in this game and maybe he catches a little bit of energy on the offensive end and can go at the basket a little bit more readily than a Royce O'Neal is going to be able to, I wouldn't have hated switching up that dynamic a little bit as well. So I'm fine to say, again, we talk about this all the time. When the Nets win the game, there's not a ton to question about the decision that Jock Vaughn made. In this particular one, I wouldn't have hated seeing something different from a schematic standpoint and even from a personnel. And you can also vary it too. It doesn't it need not be every time. It can be yeah. flash help and flash help and then you know and then flash off, right? Like it can be um flash on, they, flash don't, off. they don't really scram switch much, but like they it can be, you know, depending on what the matchup is, like you just bring guy or don't, or like ghost it a little bit, not like you can vary it a little bit. It was just a little too much like, hey, this is happening kind of every time. And at that point, that is probably a lack of an adjustment. Um so yeah, I'll, give a little, I'll, I'll give the little extra knock on Vaughn here just coming in, knowing that you don't have Ben Simmons. There's nobody on the roster that can really pick up that assignment one-on-one. Now, again, I'll even say, short of Cameron Johnson, who when he picks up all the fouls, you don't get that switchability to have him take some of those possessions too. So there's probably some things that impacted the way he wanted to go about it. Um, this is a... Yeah, what do you got oh, sorry, did you have one? No, no, go ahead. I'll do I, I think I started this one, so yeah, ask it. Uh, can we, when can we admit that Mikhail Bridges will never be a number one? He cannot break down a defense, trade him for Kaminga or Josh Kitty. Okay, so I agree with everything up until the last sentence. I would not trade him for these other two guys. But I will say that, and I don't know if we ever, I know I don't think I ever thought this, maybe you did, um, was that I never really thought that Mikhail was like a number one kind of guy. I thought it was like best version of him could be like, a skinnier Paul George, but I, I don't even think mm -hmm. that like that is, I, I I always thought like we probably saw sort of like what close to the peak was last year. Right. And yeah. there was probably like a little bit more that could come possibly, but I didn't think it was going to be like, like, okay, let me put it this way. I never thought he would get like top 20. I never thought he would like bust into the top 20 of the NBA uh, in sure. terms of players. I don't, I don't think. And so I think if you're saying that as like a number one, that's probably correct. And I don't know if some people had done that math. Clearly there was like, he's not lived up to what the sort of like baseline expectations were, which could be like, Hey, you're headed to an all-star game. You are in that discussion for maybe all NBA, but probably not. Right. Um, I mean, he's really far away from that right now. And yeah. so I think that like, that is fair. Would I trade him for those two, these other two guys, not even close, but right. um, I do think, and, and by, by the way, there's a huge gap between, not a number one in the NBA and trade you for Jonathan Kaminga. <laughs> right. Like, and so like, there's a, I think we can agree that there's a, a no. pretty large gap between those two ideas. So I'll push back on that a little bit, Doug. I actually think I actually, I think that actually is number one option is he is a number one. And then the number two decision is trading him for Josh Getty. That's that's, but that's apples to apples. I'm not, I'm not even knocking by the way, your highness. Cause I do agree with the, for the first two parts. And to your point, when we talked about it, like, I think, did I, did I think about him being like he could be the number one for the Nets as currently oh, constituted? Yeah. Yes, right? Like that's what we talked about last year. Can he be a 23 to 25 point score? Yes, he can be that guy. And even the second part of this, he can't break down a defense. I agree with you that, but by the, but again, 
I don't, I never found myself last year saying, and this is a guy that you get him in ISO and he takes dudes on a one-on-one off the dribble. It was just a guy that was very comfortable getting to his spots and finding his pockets. Yep. This is actually where the, the emergence of Cam, of Cam Thomas becomes kind of critical for what they can do this season and what Mikhail Bridges can become. So on the whole, yes, I agree that he's never going to be a, a pure number one by NBA standards. That doesn't have to be a bad thing, but the start of this season has looked a little bit underwhelming relative even to what our expectations were, right? Uh, it's I, I'll go even one further. It's a lot of bit underwhelming, I, yeah. like for based on the expectations. I, yeah. It's it's just been, you know, hashtag bad. Like up until up until now, I think uh, not every game, but the in the aggregate here, it's just not. And now part again, part of that is expectations, like the expectations raise. So then all of a sudden, you know, these twenty three, even the twenty three point games like tonight where he's moderately efficient. Well, I guess he's really not efficient. That's 650. Um, but like even these games just go ring in as like pretty huge disappointments, right? Because you, yeah. your expectation level has raised because we're, you know, we're looking at the end of last season. If you go back through sort of like how he finished off, he was playing insane minutes to start, but he was also just, you know, 20 shots a game, um, you know, seven threes a game, dropping, you know, 26, 24, 30, 42, 27, 44, 27, 32. I mean, this is like the end of the season run that he had in the regular season. And we're just really, really far away from that right now. And, and by the way, that's what screws you up. I'll tie it into as we get to uh, H2 Cades, Cades, whatever. Um, on the Cam Johnson question, not dissimilar to when we talked about, remember last year, the Nets were under 500 in those 27 games. Right. So the same way that people would talk about, you know, Cam Thomas and can he be a, a guy that scores a lot of points and also helps the team win basketball games? You go back to last year. Now that starting unit, which started tonight's game, they had a positive net rating together. I put it up before this one, 115, 109, roughly offensive, defensively. So there was a good combination, but the Nets were under 500 to close out yeah. the season. So sometimes, hey, all the volume and the scoring, that's great. And I think actually I'll add in on Mikhail. I think the other part of it for me is too. I have not over the course of the game and you uh, defense is the harder thing to watch and identify who's doing it well and who's being successful. But I have not over the course of these first 12 games also found myself saying, oof, Mikhail just put the clamps on him there. There, there have not been those moments or those possessions, which is a big part of, of what, you know, what we believe him to be high level defensive player. And then can certainly be a 20 point scorer offensively. That balance hasn't been there either. He's not always getting the tougher assignments like tonight. I mean, he's not going to guard Butler here um, in this game, and he mm -hmm. doesn't. He's was Simmons is around. He was not even getting the Simmons was actually taking those the top usually the toughest assignments when they played the Clippers. Mikhail did get hardened, um, yep. which but that that team looks like it totally stinks. So I'm not even sure that's a good litmus test. Um, I don't and I so don't root for negative things, but I'm not totally oh, dissatisfied about what's going on with with uh, Harden now the Clippers. I save it for the times where it really matters. Where it really and this counts. one it really yeah. matters, really and counts. I'm really yeah. rooting yeah. against that situation. I Same want that. Yeah, that one yeah. that one deserves all. All the bad vibes uh, as far as I'm concerned, but I save them. I'm, I'm a, I'm a pretty positive guy when it comes to this stuff. Um, but something, yeah, something, sometimes you got to fire the bullet. Uh, okay. Let's hit, let's hit a on this, on this okay. question here about Cam yeah, Johnson. Yeah. And the reason oh, why sorry, I pulled yeah. it up, no, no, it's just because this is to me that you can tie this directly to Mikhail Bridges in a lot of ways. Uh, you can make the case that Cameron Johnson for what he is as a player can model and fit in a lot of different scenarios. If, if the Mikhail Bridges version doesn't become X and these contracts and how long they go, like, I'll reference the Howard Beck conversation that I had going back into the off season. When we, when I talked about these things, Oh, what do you do with Mikhail? What do you do with Cameron Johnson? When the contract with, you know, potential is coming up, 
Howard Beck said it, and I think he was I think he was correct, and it'll play itself out this way. He goes, Yeah, you of course you bring back Cameron Johnson because you can always trade him. You can always trade Mikhail. Like you're always going to be able to make a different decision later. So you go with this vibe and this energy now. That would be to me, these guys are connected because how the team plays and how they play is going to dictate what happens with these guys. Yeah, for sure. And I look, it's sometimes the worst time. It's all okay. It's always the worst time to do full on team evaluations after a loss. It's like literally, <laughs> it's also the second worst time to just do it after a win. So those are like the two worst times. The the or maybe get your contracts, tied. trade them. The now. two worst times, the two very worst times in any in sports is to do long term evaluations of players after a game because you're it's just too fresh in your mind. Like it's it's too close. You're thinking too much about the last shot you saw them take, and it's really hard. That being said, I think if we looked at if we looked at the full body of work for this season for Mikhail, it's like not been there. It has not really actually very little to do with this game. Um, yeah. It's been it's been what we've basically seen from the beginning with CJ Cam Cam Johnson. I'll give again. I'm gonna give a little bit of a pass here because he. I guess this is his third game back. That was fourth game back. Jeez, I thought it was only his third. Um, well, the fouls were the problem because then he, and he because he hit some threes when he finally got back in there. But this, you know, like this falls into the um, this just falls in the category of like, okay, knock off the rust, like you say, knock off the rust. One game, two games. Now, now let's dial it up here. Like we talk about you being a twenty point scorer with consistency night overnight as well. Yeah. So the problem with him, and this is like something we talked about with Cam Johnson, the, something we talked about in the off season, and we can get to this, Spencer, is that for his game to sort of like go to the next level, he needed to be more than just a three point shooter, right? He needed to get to the rim a little bit more. He needed to probably get into the mid range a little bit more. And we're really like not seeing that shot distribution really happen. Um, let me just look real quick. So he, cause I'm actually going to push while you're pulling that up. I'll, I'll just push so on 62% of his 62% of his shot attempts are threes so far this season. Yeah. And that is an overwhelming majority. Uh, when it just comes to shooting. So if you're taking like 62, 63% of your shots and you're like, and you're getting to the line two times a game through your first four games. Yeah. It's just like not good enough for the, for the money. And I know like the contract is like not as much as it was originally reported because they knocked it off and there were some incentives in there. And it's like, I think it ends up being like 18 million or something. So it's like not this over crazy, overwhelming contract, but like from that standpoint, there's been no, even through four games, he's just a spot up shooter. Like he's a, he's a stretch, he's a stretch three and that's, uh, you know, and a small four, like that's kind of it. And there's really so far, we have not seen those other parts of the game really materialize. Yeah. And if, you know, again, a game like tonight, I said, plus 18 earlier, five fouls tonight. Now he goes five of 10 from the field, three of six from deep, gets to the line three times, knocks him down four rebounds, three assists, right? Like if he plays 34 minutes in this game, that stat line might be the first glimmer of that. But to your point, you know, we talk about the, the perimeter shooting. We talk about Jock Vaughn. He, I, I want to see just Cameron Johnson raining them down. On the one hand, his volume, his percentage tells you, yeah, that's a good fundamental idea, but not to what you and I talked about with, with who Cameron Johnson needs to be. It was the next, it was all the next level stuff of his game that we want to see develop here. So I'll, I'll give him a little bit of a longer runway here because he had the little injury to start the season. Yeah. Unlike Mikhail, who we're seeing and wondering, you know, what is this going to look like ultimately? Uh, from Tamro. Uh, the two, uh, just very quickly on the Spencer Dan Woody stuff, the Chucks with less than 30 seconds. So maybe going for a two for one. Yeah, I can live with those, but he had like five of them in this game. There, there were, there was more, it was more than just these two. There was just a couple of sequences where, and by the way, he also had the tap out one where he scuttled himself back behind the three point line and knocked down the triple. Like, so you do have to live with the misses, 
but there were, when as Doug talks about, when they're wide open looks, you live with the misses. When they are congested, when there's a second defender coming over, you know, you have to at some point acknowledge that you are dramatically decreasing the value of three points versus two points in some of those looks. I just wanted to get that one out of the way um, somewhat quickly. Let's go to firing it off here with, oh, Jean Ramey, frequent flyer. Uh, although we have Ben, the Nets still need a ball handler doing late game who's comfortable at making plays. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's yeah, they don't have a playmaker. They don't, they, they don't have they don't have any playmakers um, on this offense really. Bobby they Walker have one of the best playmakers, right? Like <laughs> he probably just is. Honestly, Cam Thomas when when healthy, yeah, obviously when Cam oh, Thomas yeah, is yeah. out there. But but this is this is the point about we praise Nick Claxton tonight and we praise Ben Simmons when he's playing and he looks good. But when you praise both of them, you also give the other side. Well, the problem is is Ben Simmons doesn't attack at the basket and go to the free throw line or have an offensive game. The problem for Claxton is offensive related, but in a different way, right? So I, yeah, that, that's, that's, of course, that's a part of it. It's why inside of what feels like a very positive start to this season, you still have all these little breadcrumbs of, is this going to work out? Is this ultimately going to be something that's sustainable for the team? I mean, um, I think about, I wonder too, like, uh, there's actually, I'm going to bring up this one question. I came on here late, but uh, I'll throw this one. Yeah. Um, Says so I think Mikhail and Johnson are going to thrive. If we can ever get a big superstar back on the roster. So this is interesting because re really these two guys are sort of like mix and match. They're just right. They're like they're really they're like high level, ultra support guys, right? And Mikhail's more than that for sure. So I don't really want to undersell it, but they can play basically in any system. Every team needs guys like this, like you know, three and D wings that are just more than that. Like they're more than just these regular wings, and. You could theoretically kind of bring in any superstar, literally name anybody that's a superstar, and it would work with these two guys because that's just how flexible and just malleable their game is, right? Their game mixes and matches with literally anybody. And so I wonder part of this is it's like a kick the can down the road to like 25, 26 when you still have another year yeah. of Cam and you're coming up with one more year left on McHale and you're off Simmons mm -hmm. at that point. And it's like the only two guys in the contract are $25 million a year. Mikhail Bridges, which is like one of the very, very best contracts in basketball. $22 million Cam Johnson, which with the cap spikes, you can totally live with. Literally nobody else except for like maybe Claxton at that point is and, and, and on Thomas. If they, if they go and ahead Cam and, and got, yeah, right. right. You've, yeah. You've made decisions on these other guys. Right. But I, cause those contracts are Mikhail's for sure is great. Like yeah. it's so it's like his contract's so good. It's like not exactly the same. It's not a rookie contract, but it's like, oh, when you just like luck into like some quarterback on a rookie scale contract yeah. and you can just like do other stuff because like that guy's making so little. Like that's really how little he makes for his skill level. So Sam Howell making two point nine million for the Washington Commanders as a fifth round quarterback that's leading yeah, the league, or just like even like Jalen Hurts, right? or Jalen Hurts with the Eagles, or Mahomes. Well, no, I, I don't, I don't talk about a team that I feel like is better than the Giants. <laughs> Whatever, but like point being, when you have these guys on just super, super great money, you can just do so much more. So I wonder if like hey, they don't have their draft picks for the next two years, just kind of tread water, and then have these two guys be on the roster when you pair it up with just like, you know, insert whoever is unhappy at that point. Right. I, 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 I that, that's a reasonable timeline, I think. Yeah. And by the way, the, the Johnson contract to flesh it out, you know, 24 and a half, 22 and a half, 20 and a half and 25, 26, and then 22, five with some likely and unlikely incentives, as you mentioned. So those are going to be 
very movable, you know, potentially very movable contracts. And you can make, and by the way, that's why I don't even think you, what I'm saying is I don't even think you need to move them though. I, I think they just like, they, you, you, you just keep them around were, and you just, if they were your them. second and third or fourth best player, then like you're looking really, really good. You're, you're looking great. And I'm saying their contracts line up with being able to bring in somebody else. Mm. And now it's like, I'm just going to say anything. Like say you brought in, Anybody, Embiid or yeah, people mention Carl Anthony Towns, right, with his massive contract. Like, let's just say, right, in a world you you bring him in, or just whatever superstar at that point is unhappy. It's three. It's a long time from now. This happens once a year, or someone gets pissed off. In twenty five, twenty six, do you think there'll be unhappy superstars in the NBA? Will that be kind of like you know, like they didn't used to have the three point shot, now they do. There used to be unhappy superstars, but now they're all good. Now they'll be they'll all be super psyched. Uh, one thing that's happening this year, I will say, is these guys are all playing. Like I, we've kind of joked about that at the beginning of the year. Like Embiid played a back to back the other day. Like these guys, they're playing the games. Good for them. Congrats. Hate to break the news um, to you too. Like for the most part, the in season tournament, like teams and players are buying into that as well. Like you know, for so now. Get, get, I, I know, I know. We're going to run like, up against some of those tank games in the, the back end of it, but yeah, hopefully yeah. it still ends up having some value throughout the whole group stage. Very quickly here, uh, Jared Williams, by the way, um, frequent flyer with us as well. Trade Sharp for a Brooklyn pizza. I like Dayron Sharp. Well, I was just talking about this. He's not perfect, and he's not, you know, there's plenty more he needs to do. But I, we talked about this, uh, I think, on the post game live last time. He's taking little incremental steps forward. I'm fine with him. He's a bench guy, he's going to play 10 to 15 minutes. He had a couple of back-to-back possessions late in this game where he had a little turnaround face up at the basket and got a shot to go. He came back with an ugly one, that, that, you know, two possessions later. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not even going to, again, we, we often talk about this, judge a player based on expectation that you have for him, right? Like, Dayron Sharp is doing and exceeding what I want for him to do, given what I, I expected for him coming in. Can you Let me guys, just get to this one oh, real yeah, quick here. Yeah. Can't get a high level superstar, but what about Levine and Simmons for picks or sorry, for Ben Simmons and picks as much as I think the, the Simmons contract stinks. I, I think Levine's contract arguably stinks more and only because it goes out for longer. Yeah. <laughs> it goes out for yeah, two yeah. years longer. And we talked about this a little bit on the bonus episode. So you can go back and check out our thoughts on this. It's on the podcast feed, but just to give cliff notes on this one, Levine, the Simmons contract is bad, but at least it ends. Like the, the, the Levine one doesn't end. And with Levine, unlike honestly, even like unlike Simmons, who's like sort of a connector and like the defensive guy that we talked about, they could really need tonight actually does the things that to some degree, Mikhail and CJ don't do. Levine just does the things that these other guys do, which is shoot, never passes, like doesn't play defense. I, I it would not be an elevator for this team. Like he, he would not elevate, he would not elevate anybody. It'd be the end of Cam Thomas's development. Like it would just, it's just yeah. not the guy you want. It was not the guy you want to bring in. I get that. Like everyone wants a shiny new thing to come in the door. Levine is not the guy. It would not work for the, it would not work for the guys. Yeah. If you have Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey and some of these other guys. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. But the Nets just don't have those guys. I would never do this. You, yeah, you wouldn't want to bring him in and then you'd be saying like, he's our number one. That's not the guy oh, that you want not. to be your number one represents about 30% of the, of the league cap right now in his contract. And this is, I'll just hit this quickly. 40 million extends out to a player option in 26, 27 of 48.949 million dollars, which as we say, he'll be picking that up and he'll be 31 years old, which I'll reference back to when we had this, one of the, one of the few beautiful moments on the podcast when Doug Norrie pops his top and it was around ah, the guy's only 29 going to be 30. He's just entering his prime. That is the end of the prime. And that is the it's entering over. what could be a brutal 31 years old, making 49 million for Zach. Levine, and guy, so. by the way, this guy falls into the same category. What do you think about Pascal Siakam? Um, the Raptors haven't offered him a new contract news. They don't plan on doing so. He's going to be 30. 
He's be 30 by the time before this season ends. This yeah. is another example of a guy you cannot do this with, at least with the Nets. Like, you can't do this with. He's not going to elevate enough guys. Like, if you put him on uh, – let me think of a team real quick. So, if you put him on the Pacers, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, let's say the Pacers are like, hey, we're, we're better than we thought we were going to be. We're Like, we can live with the money. He's kind of a really pretty good match with Miles and, and, and Tyrese. Like, that, that can make sense. Because you're like, yeah, we got the cash to spare and whatever. But like the Nets just aren't that team. And you don't want to have, I guarantee what you don't want is a 34 year old Pascal Siakam, like still sitting on your books. And that is what you would have with like a four, three or four year contract. So I, this is just another guy that I just don't think fits what the Nets are trying to do. Live in La La Land with me here for a second on Pascal Siakam because he's in the final year of his contract, making $37.8 million. Same exact thing, Levine and picks for Ben Simmons. Would you go? Would you go the step of what does it take to send you Ben Simmons, take back Siakam just for the rest of this? We'll take him for this year, and then we're all done. He goes off the books after the season. Ben Simmons is now gone. That, like, you know, if you talk about functionally, like that, that would be something that I would reasonably explore. Not extending Pascal Siakam, but I'll flip it where I just take forty million dollars off my cap at the end of this season and be done with that concern. I just, I'm never entertaining any Simmons trades. No one's trading for Ben Simmons. I, like, there's just not. It's not. No, no, no. It's not real. Go to La La Land, Doug. And oh, La La Land. The question. Yeah. Oh, now you're okay. In La La well, Land. maybe in La La Land, like Ben Simmons can just ship me his contract, and I'll have to do the podcast anymore. Like, so oh. how- <laughs> well, there we go. But let's be solutions oriented, Doug. That's what I'm saying. If we're just going to lot, believe me, if we're going to La La Land, it's gonna. I'm gonna go to a much a better place than like scenarios. thinking about Ben Simmons cut. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll come up with more creative things than what Ben, ben Simmons, Simmons if we're, if, and what the Nets yeah, do. <laughs> believe me, I, I'm not the oh. most creative guy in the world, but I can get more creative in you know in this utopia than just like figuring out ways to trade Ben Simmons. I, hey, I by the way, I'm in La La Land. The Dallas Mavericks just traded Luca for Ben Simmons straight up. It was pretty sweet. They're never trading him. They're never trading him, and you cannot trade him. The reason you want to trade him is because he's a huge, massive liability, and the contract's terrible. And believe me, GMs get that <laughs> like that no one is trading for that? this guy you think I, I'm, I'm just positive i can't even entertain it i don't even know sorry to just no no it has to be a bad contract for a bad contract and at the scale not a not it a, has to be even a worse contract getting older it has to be you know it has yeah. to literally be even worse because of the other stuff that comes along with simmons like it's one thing to be a bad contract like kevin love was kind of a bad contract for cleveland forever and they couldn't trade him right that was you couldn't trade him then Simmons, it's like a bad contract and you get the baggage of like not knowing what's going on or if he's going to play or whatever. So it's not even like, it's not even just a bad contract. It's, it's more than that. So it's just, they're never trading him. Uh, can you guys prudently discuss what players you would like to see in Brooklyn? I mean, just good players, better players, star players. I will say I, I brought this up just to let Brian know that I think like at some point these, we've been doing a lot more bonus episodes on the podcast feed where it kind of gets a little more high level than, than, you know, game to game. And in this season, I think the idea of it's like keeping the powder fresh, right? And the assets dry for that, that superstar. We've had these discussions before about like, well, what about Joel Embiid? Now 76ers have turned things around after dumping Harden to, to the Clippers. But it was like, what about Embiid? When we talked about that in the moment, I was like 31, you know, Embiid getting older, like for right now in this very second, would I take him? Of course. But you talk about longer contracts, like the list gets shorter and shorter when you think about superstar talents that will get upset or disappointed in their current situation. I, I, I think the bigger discussion for me would be like, do the Nets, do you want the Nets to use all these assets to go get the star? 
or do you want him to take that that kind of lottery risk of firing bullets in the draft and trying to OKC your way to a successful roster? Because there's no guarantees. I don't know. Every star at some point says they're done with wherever they are. So it's just like an inevitable cycle. You, you can't win without the best guys. You can't win at the highest level without the best guys. And you need to, in my mind, always be moving the deck chairs around or the chess pieces around in thinking about ways to get those best guys. Like that's just my personal philosophy because I think that's the ultimate goal. And I get that not everyone subscribes to that goal because to get through that goal can be hard <laughs> at times, which can mean it can mean tanking. It can mean, you know, uncomfortable trades. It can mean sort of trading away guys that you like, mm -hmm. right? It, like it, it just means things that can always not feel good as a fan to go through. The Nets did this once, and it also the other problem is the Nets did this once, and it flamed out in pretty spectacular fashion. It right. was all correct. It was all correct. Every move that they made pretty much during that time was the right move to do. It just it didn't work. It came very close. It just didn't work. As far as I'm concerned, this is why I was like, trade Claxton. <laughs> like, trade Dorian Finney-Smith. Like, just try to get as many pieces as you can for a superstar. And signing guys to long-term deals at, like, medium money or trading draft picks to bring in Royce O'Neal's of the world. Like, I mean, that was a little different. But, like, those just aren't big moves like the, like does that yeah, make yeah. sense yeah oh no and, of course yeah in the only spot where this is where uh the dorian finney smith piece even when i said hey you know he's playing so well how could you possibly ultimately push comes to shove you trade him he's 30 years old the value everything right royce o'neill spencer dimwitty everybody that's in that age range they go they go they go um we we, we divide a little bit on the claxton piece just because with his uh, age, maybe he's a bad example i know, I know that's I a bad know. example yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but like when these things come up right you always at least explore it i fundamentally agree with that and i think philosophically what we end up asking ourselves is listen the goal is to win a championship make no bones about it but the paths to get there are tricky and the opportunities are finite and i do sometimes wonder about saying well you know what we want to be we want we don't want to be where we are right now, which is hey, we can make the playoffs. Maybe we were a little bit better this year than we think than we thought we could have been, you know, six seed, whatever. Yeah. We want to be a team that gets mentioned in the in the top four of the Eastern Conference. Now, most of those teams have a star, right? Maybe you got to get there through the draft to one of them. Maybe Cam Thomas ends up being the, a low-level version of that. If you can live in that range, I can do that for four or five seasons. And love and be excited and you know see if you can win those matchups and try to find that piece to add as opposed to the ramp up, the big swings, and then the potential letdown. Now, again, the recent history is a part of what's informing it, right? Because I just saw it not work out at a global level, and now the Nets don't have their own assets to be able to say, we control our own destiny, right? Now you're yeah, scrambling, right. which I think compounds the, the necessity to say, well, we got to go first star. Why? Because we don't have our own pick, so we can't control our own fate, so we have to do it outside rather than inside. Yeah, the Nets are in a bad spot with this. We talked about this many times. They're in a bad spot for controlling their own fate because of the Houston picks, and this team would look so much different if they just if they had these if they had these two Houston picks. Believe me, they'd be in last place right now. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. I would guarantee it. Like yep. there would be no doubt in my mind that this team would be fully wizarding this thing all over the place. Mikael and Bridges would have been would have been passed through traded when they made the Kevin Durant deal and Cameron probably Johnson wouldn't have been signed. It would have been traded as well and certainly or traded this year. Probably. You know, yeah, yeah. trade or or already thinking about where he's going to get traded this year. Yep. Or and Cam Johnson never resigned. Like 
or maybe maybe he is because he's got to get to the salary floor. But they would be in full on loss mode. They can't because it's that wouldn't doesn't do them any good. But I, I brought up this thing is because this is these are the examples of where you don't want to be. Now the Raptors did win the title. Masai took the the risk and it worked, and he got Kawhi, and he just you know spiked a Kawhi plus a Clay. A uh, Achilles, no, a Durant Achilles and a clay ACL and a bounced ball off the side of the rim that went in. Like he, he read the Achilles well was, that year. He was good and he was incredibly lucky and they, and they won. So I can't, it's hard to put the Raptors fully into that group, except for after that, they've done all these like sort of like medium to no swing moves. And now they're just in this weird spot, right? Yeah. The Bulls are like the other, the worst version of this, which is made a kind of mini all in move for Vooch, the worst kind of guy to do that for. Yeah. And then, and then just sort of like hang Levine and, and DDR around for a long time and kind of just be an expensive ish 39 win team. Yeah. With like, no, with, by the way, with nobody good. It's like, they don't even have anyone. They don't even have anyone young and good. So yeah. it's like, that's worst of all worlds. And that's definitely where you don't want to be. Well, and by the way, and I'll just, I'll tack onto this. I'm, you know, I'm not saying this for me personally or convictions or this or that. Cause again, I want the team to be good and productive and try to win games. And that matters to the organization as well. Raptors and bulls should have blown it up last trade deadline. Now the nets aren't in that same situation based on the ages of Cameron Johnson and Mikhail Bridge. You mentioned it before you get another season later and another season yeah. out like trade deadlines yeah, right. are going to be conversations. And the same way that we were frustrated a year ago with Seth Curry, Doug and I will. And I, you know, I, I push back a little bit, but ultimately if I come out of this trade deadline and Dorian Finney-Smith is still on this roster, it's a problem. If Royce O'Neal is still on this roster, it's a problem. There's a world where if Spencer Dinwiddie is on this roster, it's a problem. It costs you in the win columns this year, but it'll cost you even more if you go to the playoffs and win one game versus getting more assets and having more opportunities to facilitate the you know a younger rebuild. So it's going to be a big part of what we talk about. Uh, you did this one for this, Nader. This is a good one, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So rebounding was weakness last year. It's like, yeah, they, they were like top – well, I think it was second in rebounding coming into this game and just rebounds per game. Rebounding percentage was a little lower. Um, and then they were a little bit better at defensive rebounding, a little worse offensive rebounding, but they were still like in, I, I think they were second and maybe no worse fourth. I actually think if you look at this team, it's actually hard to find a place that they are weak in, except for what Adam said at the beginning. And this, and maybe we just tie it to the end of this and get out of here with this, but is that when you look at this team, they just don't have tons of talent. <laughs> like they have lots of good players. They have a decent amount of good players. Yep. They have no great players. And they might not even have a player that's like the next level below great or something like that. Right. Whatever, like whatever those tiers are, whatever that tier system of NBA talent is, they definitely do not have anyone in the top tier for sure. And I'll like say top tier, like you know, top twenty plus players. Well, depending on where you think Mikhail is, they might not have anyone in the top thirty, and maybe that's being too harsh. But at some point, just because of the way the minutes are dispersed in basketball, and you can only play five guys at once, and some guys teams can just play all their guys the minutes if they want to. Like Jimmy can go out there and play thirty-seven minutes, and he's going to be the best player. If you don't have the top end high-end talent, you can't. You can only win on the margins so long. I actually think the Nets have been winning on the margins here because the other guys have been so good. Lonnie, yeah. DSJ has gotten really great defensive minutes out of him, right? Like 
Trendon Watford's come in and played nice minutes. Dayron's played above his head. Our, our right? money Brooks like, walks in for one game and gives you a, a performance from the outside. Like it's when you need a couple good hit, shooting games hit. from Royce. Right. Like yeah, they've Royce, won, right. they've won some margin stuff because they have a good deep roster, but their biggest weakness by far, by far, is they just don't have enough talent. And that's the hardest problem in basketball to solve. I'll tie it back to Chicago. They're not a 39-ish win team. They can be above 500, but they're not. But playoff basketball, it'll print all the same problems because then the five best players play the most minutes. Of course. And five best against five best. The Nets are always going to be. Oh, it's like, oh, we get to play Tyrese Maxey 44 minutes and Embiid 40 minutes. Okay, the game's over. Like, like it's like that's just kind of the story. Can't take agreement. You guys are going to play the bench, right? You're going to, because we got, and if you don't let us, then how are we going to? So, yeah, and then that's, I think it gets into a little bit of a negative space here as we'll close this one out, just around like there is a reality to what the ceiling of this team is right now. And I don't it is, think it's negative. I think it's just expectation setting. Like, it's just like, hey, too. right, right, right. Like, yes. It's not negative. We knew this. This is actually not new. <laughs> right, uh, right. In a lot of ways, this season has been overwhelmingly positive as far as I'm concerned in terms of the win-losses. It's just that, like, you have to just reset your expectations. It's like, what are the weaknesses? Sometimes the weaknesses are just those other teams have awesome guys there's only so many of those dudes and the Nets don't have any of those guys. That's it. <laughs> like, and that's kind of the end. Oh, there you go. That's that's all you need to know, man. You were up here a couple of times, Mira Slayer. Really appreciate you. And it's going to be fun to see how this unfolds. I ultimately do want to see a healthy version of this team. I'd like to see everybody playing. I'd like to nice. officially confirm or deny the Ben Simmons, Nicholas Claxton rotation functionality, all that good stuff. I want to see if Cam Thomas can give you 15 more games of being a 20 point scorer with, you know, plus score with consistency. So that's the next step for this team. Be healthy so that we can see what the version of this roster is and maybe where you can find your place to have some success, moving some pieces as we work our way along. Oh, buddy, like we said today, no nets added to the injury report today. No one removed. No one removed from the injury report. Nobody added. But nobody added. We're going to get out of here. Much appreciated, everyone, that was in YouTube live here. Love chopping it up here. Could just gets a little late in the night. That's the only reason. To get a little, the eyes get a little heavy after just, you know, What's your five turn? hours of basketball. Get a little, getting a little punchy. Getting a little punchy. All right. Much appreciated, everyone, in here. Make sure you join subtext.com. Make sure you saw Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to the podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe over here on YouTube if you're in the chat. Shame on you if you have not done it already, but we're going to let you off the hook if you do it right now. Go subscribe uh, to the Locked.net's YouTube channel. We'll be back again next week on Monday Ooh. talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Basketball, 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 yeah. Bro.